Dear Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And may we be instruments by which your will is done on this earth. Give us this day indeed our daily bread, our spiritual and physical food. We depend on you for it, dear Lord, and we pray for our spiritual food that as we fellowship with you, we shall be filled, that our hungry and thirsty souls shall receive spiritual nourishment from you. Grant us of your spirit, dear Lord, and help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. Help us, Lord, not to wrest any scripture out of its true meaning. We have a work to be done in our hearts, Lord, that you may remove pride from us. We pray, Lord, that as we go through this devotion, that the words we will read will be a source of help and blessing to every one of us. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 4. Nebuchadnezzar humiliated. And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Daniel chapter 4, verse 35. The last dream which God gave to Nebuchadnezzar and the experience of the king in connection with it contains lessons of vital importance to all those who are connected with the work of God. The king was troubled with his dream, for it was evidently a prediction of adversity and none of his wise men would attempt to interpret it. The faithful Daniel stood before the king, not to flatter, not to misinterpret in order to secure favor. A solemn duty rested upon him to tell the king of Babylon the truth. Nebuchadnezzar did not heed the heaven-sent message. He had been thus, one year after he had been thus warned, as he walked in his palace, he said within himself, is not this great Babylon that I have built? The God of heaven read the heart of the king and heard its whisperings of self-congratulation. There fell a voice from heaven saying, The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar. For seven years Nebuchadnezzar was an astonishment to all his subjects. For seven years he was humbled before all the world. Then his reason was restored, and looking up in humility to the God of heaven, he recognized the divine hand in his chastisement. In a public proclamation, 
he acknowledged his guilt and the great mercy of God in his restoration. God's purpose that the greatest kingdom in the world should show forth his praise was now fulfilled. This public proclamation, in which Nebuchadnezzar acknowledged the mercy and goodness and authority of God, was the last act of his life recorded in sacred history. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Nebuchadnezzar Humiliated and well may we pay attention to this devotion because we, if we are like Nebuchadnezzar, which of course many of us are, we also will need to experience something that will bring us to a place where pride is removed from us. Any student of the Bible who you've never heard this story before and you just stumble upon this story in Daniel chapter 4 is usually surprised and wonder in their minds trying to picture the imagination of what this thing really meant and the reality and literal nature of this story. It's something to cause us to sit down and think and draw some lessons from. The children of Israel were taken as captives into the kingdom of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar, being the ruler of Babylon at the time, thought that all his achievements were because of his own special intelligence, his own wisdom, and his own power and might. But God had tried to introduce himself to Nebuchadnezzar out of love so that they could have a wonderful pleasurable relationship together so that through him he could do greater things and reveal himself to this monarch. But Nebuchadnezzar, he missed the point. He missed it. When God came uninvited to introduce himself to Abraham in a, to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream, Nebuchadnezzar was troubled in the morning. And we just saw that not long ago, how God gave him a dream and took the dream from him, but left him with the impression that he did have a dream. And through that experience, Nebuchadnezzar had his first real encounter with someone who was always with him, who was always guiding him, who had given him all that he had. And he did not appreciate it. The book of Daniel 4 introduces us to another time when God came to Nebuchadnezzar to speak to him. But like I said, prior to this time, God had tried. And in this experience, God was being merciful to him when he gave him that dream. But Nebuchadnezzar had a problem. He had a problem and that was why God came to him this time. And this problem was that he, he was oppressive. That was another problem. He was a proud person. Before this incident in Daniel 4, which we'll read very soon, Nebuchadnezzar had tried to infringe on people's liberty of conscience. When in that dream that God revealed to him, he tried to kill the astrologers, the magicians, and the wise men, the soothsayers, and the Chaldeans, it was not pleasing to God. He had said to them in Daniel 2 verse 9 that if they would not make known unto him the dream, he said, there is but one decree for you. For you have prepared lying and corrupt 
corrupt words to speak before me. Therefore tell me the dream, and I shall know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. And when they said to him that this is a rare thing that the king is requiring, there is no man on this earth that can do it. The king became angry and he, he then gave a decree that they should be killed. But Daniel came into the picture and Daniel gave him some words, which I know that Nebuchadnezzar listened to intently when he gave him the vision, the dream and explained it to him and in Daniel 2 verse 37 told him, Thou, O king, art king of kings, for the God of heaven had given thee a kingdom, power and strength and glory, and wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the air hath he given into thine hand, and hath made thee ruler over them, thou art this head of gold. In these words spoken by Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar got acquainted with the God of heaven and he, his mind was, so there's someone who was giving me all the victories, so there's someone who was behind me and this God is claiming to be the one who has given everything to be under my hand and he is the one that has made me ruler over all. It is not by my power. Those were the thoughts that would have been in Nebuchadnezzar's mind. You see, through this experience, Nebuchadnezzar had enough evidences of the majesty of God and his control over the whole earth. This should have been enough for Nebuchadnezzar to have made inquiries as to who God is. All his wise men child and Chaldeans failed. Even his own mind failed him. God had come into his life uninvited. God came into his mind while he slept, entered into his mind, showed him a dream and took away the dream and left him with the impression that he saw something significant the previous night. But Nebuchadnezzar did not, Nebuchadnezzar did not humble himself regardless of this. God wanted to let him know that it was not by his power and by his might that he ascended into the throne of Babylon and is ruling over the world. When Daniel had interpreted the dream, the king fell on his face and told Daniel of a truth. Your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, seeing thou could reveal this secret. Now after this incident of the dream, there was the incident of the golden image and in that case, he again infringed on the liberties of his people. He had never been known to be one that respected people's freedom of worship and he didn't care about it. He didn't respect the lives of others. He was a fierce king and one who couldn't endure being challenged because of his pride. In Daniel 3 verse 13 to 15, he says there that Nebuchadnezzar was in a rage and fury and commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and when they had brought them, he charged them saying, if you don't worship, I will destroy you. Now go back when you hear the music, bow down and worship. Of course, we know what that story was and how it ended. Nebuchadnezzar had challenged God in making this statement. What was the statement? Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 3 verse 15, hear his words. He said, Now, if you be ready, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sackbut, psaltery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made. Well, listen now, he says, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Wow. Did Nebuchadnezzar know the God that Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego worshipped? He knew the God. And making this statement was a challenge to God. He asked, who is that God that will deliver you out of my hand? 
knowing very well that there was a God of heaven that had said that his kingdom will have an end and it is the head of gold and nothing more. And another kingdom was going to take over from his kingdom. And now he's challenging not just Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, but he's challenging their God and saying, who is he? Let me see that God that will deliver you. It is not that he didn't know this God. He knew, but yet he made this statement. Herod made a statement similar to this one to the effect of saying the same thing. But he was struck dead for it. Other kings had raised themselves against God and were destroyed for it. Jeroboam had his hands frozen. Sennacherib's army was decimated beyond measure. King Uzzah was struck at once with leprosy for the same presumption. In a different way, of course. But God was merciful to Nebuchadnezzar. God chose to reveal himself once more to this man from a far country who had never had any contact or evidence of the one true God. He looked into the fire and he saw Christ. Daniel 3 verse 24. He says, Lo, I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of Man. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth out of the midst of the fire. Hmm. So, did you hear his words? He indicted himself there. He said, you servants of the Most High God. Now, put this whole thing into perspective. Nebuchadnezzar knew God. He knew that these boys were worshipping the Most High God. He knew that they were worshipping the God of Daniel. And he challenged them. And not until God delivered them did he now say, ye servants of the Most High God, having seen the power of God in delivering the boys from the fire, instead of humbling himself and confessing his faults, what did Nebuchadnezzar do? He presumed to raise God up to his own level so that he and God would be worshipped. And when he was making those statements, telling everybody, oh, don't speak against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all of that, God didn't need those decrees. In Daniel 3 verse 29, he says, therefore I make a decree. Can you force people to worship God? God is not interested in that. And Nebuchadnezzar thought he could use force and make a decree. He says, I make a decree that every people, nation, and language which speak anything amiss against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces. And their houses shall be made a dunghill, because there is no other God that can deliver after this sort. Who did Nebuchadnezzar think he was? Making this kind of command and decree that anybody who doesn't worship the God of heaven should be cut in pieces and their houses made a dunghill? This is not what God wants. Nebuchadnezzar seems to think that he and God are on the same level. He had evidence again here of the power that was over and beyond himself. God was here to show him once again that he was not to infringe on people's liberties and that there was a God in heaven, the true God greater than his own gods. But Nebuchadnezzar, regardless of this marvelous incident, did not humble himself and acknowledge God and recognize people's liberties and freedom of worship. He went on as though he and God were on par. He kept on magnifying himself and infringing on people's rights by making this statement that everybody should worship the God of heaven in, and face death and their house made, being made a dunghill. He had not repented. He was still making the same mistake he just made in throwing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. What, did, what was the mistake? Infringing on people's religious liberties. 
now that God revealed himself, instead of repenting, he infringed on people's liberties again by saying that they must worship God and all face death. Nebuchadnezzar had a lesson to learn. He thought that he was on the same level with God. This was very, very condescending of him to think that he would speak about God as though he was superior to God, telling people who to worship, whereas he was exempt from worshipping that God that he's telling people to worship or thinking that he was on the same level. This was the pride of Nebuchadnezzar. Now, God came to him in a dreadful dream where he saw himself as a tree that was about to be stripped off of its pride represented by its leaves. This was supposed to be a thing that would bring fear into him. In Daniel chapter 4, reading from verse 4, it says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree. This man loves to make decree. Therefore I made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Do you see that Nebuchadnezzar had not repented? He had not at all decrees upon decrees upon force upon force on the people infringing on people's rights oppressing them i made a decree to bring all the wise men verse 7 says then came in the magicians you can imagine these people they will certainly be afraid because they've not forgotten what happened to shadrach meshach and abednego they've not also forgotten the time when he almost killed them because they could not tell him the dream and interpretation so you can imagine the people under nebuchadnezzar will be living under serious fear it says, they then came in the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers, and I told the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. Now, let me just add, even if these men knew the interpretation, knowing the kind of person Nebuchadnezzar is, who would want to tell him that this dream is talking about your downfall and your destruction? Fear would grip anyone. In verse 8 it says, but at the last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God, and in, whose, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and no secret troubleth thee. Tell me the visions of my dream that I have seen, and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of mine head in my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew and was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the bows thereof, and all flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves and scatter his fruit, let the beast get away from under it and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass in the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with dew of heaven, and let his portion be with beasts in the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This matter is by the decree of the watchers, 
and the demand by the word of the holy ones, to the intent that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. This dream I Nebuchadnezzar have seen. Now thou, O Belteshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation, but thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. Let me stop here. I think this dream is just remarkable. If you hear what Nebuchadnezzar said, he said that after this tree was flourishing, it's not just anybody that came, but he said a holy one came, not just anybody but a holy one and that this holy one he says is a watcher he came down from heaven so something is already getting a bit clear here whatever this tree represents it is certainly not holy because the person that came from heaven is holy and what that holy one did to the tree shows that the holy one and this tree are not in good terms that is one thing that is supposed to be clear the holy one and this tree are not in good terms and this tree is cut down by that holy one and then he says everything should go out from under it let his fruit scatter let all the beasts that are under it go away and then let it pass through an experience for seven times but then even nebuchadnezzar himself said that in the dream that the dream had a purpose it was not daniel who told him this but he said in the dream in daniel 4 verse 17 this matter is by the decree of the watchers and the demand by the word of the holy ones to for what purpose to the intent that the living may know that the most high ruleth in the kingdom of men and giveth it to whomsoever he will and setteth up over it the basest of men so one thing was clear to Nebuchadnezzar at least and that is the purpose of what happened in that dream was to make men know that there is someone in heaven that rules over all the earth and it is he who gives to men the kingdom and takes it away from them. Is this not what God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to know from the first time he had that dream that Daniel interpreted? That was what God wanted him to know and God told him, I am the one who puts you as king acknowledge me let us work together i have work for you to do i want my praise and my glory through you to go to the rest of the whole nations under you but nebuchadnezzar refused to receive that lesson the second time with the three hebrew boys thrown into the fire god tried to make him understand look nebuchadnezzar stop this thing you are doing acknowledge that you did not get this power by yourself realize that your success is not by your own hands realize that all that you have achieved someone was behind you nebuchadnezzar but nebuchadnezzar did not listen now the third time you see how patient god is god comes to him in a dream and says I want all men to understand that I can set the basest of men as kings and I can remove whomever I want so that no one should take the glory to themselves saying that it's by their power and their might that they have achieved whatever they want to achieve, in his case conquering the whole world. But one thing was not clear to Nebuchadnezzar. What did that tree represent? And that was it that when Daniel came and told him in Daniel chapter 4, reading from verse 20, he said, The tree that thou sawest, which grew and was strong, whose height reached unto the heaven and the side thereof to all the earth, he says in verse 22, It is thou, O king, 
that are grown and become strong. For thy greatness is grown and reacheth unto heaven, and thy dominion is to the end of the earth. And whereas the king saw a watcher and an holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Hew the tree down and destroy it, yet leave the stump of the roots and let his portion be with the beast of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which is come upon my lord the king that they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and they shall wet thee with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over thee, till thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. And whereas they commanded to leave the stump of the tree roots, thy kingdom shall be sure unto thee, after that thou shalt have known that the heavens do rule. Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. Amen. So Daniel did something remarkable here. Bad news, and he gave the king as it is, told him the bad news. You are the one. You are the one who has grown high. But God wants you to understand that he wants he's the one who gives you the king gives you the kingdom and do you understand it today there are wars going on do you understand that god can set the basest of men to be on the the throne there are elections going on in various nations do you understand that when people win elections either by hook or by crook god can set the basest of men to rule it is not about their righteousness God is the one overruling all these things. And some people will wonder, why then does God allow wicked people to rule? Well, the wicked people sometimes are allowed to rule over a wicked people themselves. When Israel was wicked, God brought a wicked king, Nebuchadnezzar, over them. But now, God wanted Nebuchadnezzar to repent. That's why Daniel told him, break off your iniquities. And he also said, show mercy to the poor. He was not a merciful man. Too many decrees, decrees, decrees over the people. People were living in fear under Nebuchadnezzar. Fear that he can kill them. Fear that he can oppress them. Fear that he will take away their rights if they don't do what he asked them to do. He had conquered the whole world. Now God was telling him, repent. But he wouldn't listen. And what did he do? In the book of Daniel 4, reading from verse 28, it says, All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he walked in the palace of the king of Babylon. There the king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven, saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee, and they shall drive thee from men. And thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee, until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men, and giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and did eat grass as oxen. And his body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers, and his nails like birds' like birds claws and at the end of days i nebuchadnezzar lifted up mine eyes unto heaven and mine understanding returned unto me and i blessed the most high and i praised and honored him that liveth forever whose dominion is an everlasting dominion 
and his kingdom is from generation to generation and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing and he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth and none can stay his hand or say unto him what doest thou and at the same time my reason returned unto me and for the glory of my kingdom mine honor and brightness returned unto me and my counselors and my lords sought unto me and i was established in my kingdom and excellent majesty was added unto me amen behold the mercy of god nebuchadnezzar suffered for seven years with a mental illness that is not seen today this is what can happen to one when the lord wants to humble you nebuchadnezzar was given something to think about after seven years he realized that there's someone over and above him that gave him that kingdom and can take it away from him and give it to him and at this time nebuchadnezzar repented of his sins but now he does not make a decree telling people who they are to worship remember he always wrote decrees upon decrees Mm -mm. now that nebuchadnezzar repented you can see you can hear the, the politeness you can feel it that this man is transformed he doesn't decree to people who they are to worship he does not infringe on people's rights anymore he has realized that this is an inalienable right of every man and he rather tells his testimony and he says daniel 4 verse 1 to 3 nebuchadnezzar the king unto all people nations and languages that dwell in all the earth peace be multiplied unto you amen I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought towards me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. Amen. This now is a ruler who recognizes that he is not to infringe on the rights of others, especially their liberties to worship whoever they will and that there is a power over and above him. So what do we learn from this chapter in Nebuchadnezzar's life? How many times has God also appealed to us in the same manner he did to Nebuchadnezzar, warning us of our coming doom and humiliation? We fear for some time, but later things begin to go well, and our fears are banished and we slide back to our complacency. Perhaps the Lord permits us to pass through a near-death experience, or he passes, passes us through a humiliating experience of one way or the other. Sickness may come to us and then we are humbled, and then we realize that our life is in God's hands, that it is not in our hands and then when we recover from our sickness we go back to our evil ways the matter of pride is something that we need to deal with God expects us to humble ourselves under him and that's why in the book of James chapter 4 starting from verse 6 it says but he giveth more grace to the humble wherefore he saith, God resisted the proud but he giveth grace unto the humble Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your minds, you double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Amen. So, What are the ways in which we can humble ourselves? Because that was what Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar to do. Humble yourself. Don't let God to humble you. What are the ways? Listening to correction. That was what he was told to do. King Uzziah, when he was lifted up 
in pride did not listen to correction and he was punished for it. What did God do? God struck him with leprosy and he was humbled. Another way we can listen, we can humble ourselves is to obey instruction. In 2 Chronicles 28 verse 16 to 19, the story of Ahaz is there to show us what God can do when we don't follow his word. It says at that time that King Ahaz sent unto the kings of Assyria to help him. For again the Edomites had come and smitten Judah and carried away captives. The Philistines also had invaded the cities of the low country and of the south of Judah. Verse 19 now says, For the Lord brought Judah low. In other words, God humbled Judah because of Ahaz, king of Israel. For he made Judah naked and transgressed sore against the Lord. So what was it that showed that Ahaz did not humble himself? He transgressed continually. When we do not obey the word of God, we are lifting ourselves in pride against him. And that was what Nebuchadnezzar did. He lifted himself in pride through disobedience. Another way that we can humble ourselves is to admit our faults. This is one way that people find it difficult to do. When you realize that you are in the error, that you are wrong, pride is one thing that makes people never to admit they are wrong. Instead of admitting they are wrong, they will paint pictures here and there to justify themselves. And even when they want to admit that they are wrong, they want to also point out a fault in the other person who they are um, who corrected them so that they will not be so humbled. Oh, that is pride revealing itself. We should not be like this. If you are corrected, listen to correction and do not try to justify yourselves or find it difficult to tell the other person, oh, I'm sorry, you were right, I was wrong. Let us humble ourselves and not be proud of whatever it is we think we have. Some of us are proud of our intelligence. And when you are proud of your intelligence, you find it hard to listen to people who you considered to be less than yourself. Oh my, what kind of pride is that? You weigh yourself and think that you are more biblically sound than someone else. And when you have made an error, those who you think you were more biblically sound than themselves than yourself come and point your error to you and say, Oh, see what you said here. This thing you said is wrong. See the correct thing. What do you do? Do you keep quiet and say, okay, I've heard, I've seen it? Or do you say, oh, you are right, I was wrong? Are you finding it hard to say, I was wrong? Pride is what is making it hard for you to say, I was wrong. And say, oh, you were right. Pride, that is what is causing it. Are you proud of your humility or of your righteousness and sins that you have never committed? Some people say, I'm a virgin. And they look at other people as though, oh, I'm better than you. I have never taken alcohol. And then those who have taken alcohol who are better than them. I've never done this or I've never done that. Some others are proud of their marriage who are married while others are not. Others are proud of their beauty or their body shape. Others are proud of their possessions. They have children and others do not. They have houses. Even if others do, they feel proud of the way their children look or how oh, my child is in this place or in that place. Oh, this is studying this in this particular university and you know, she's doing this and doing that. Oh, they are just proud to talk of their children and where they are and what they are doing. They are proud of their possessions like their houses, their phone, their properties. They are proud of the money that they have. Some are proud of their accomplishments and they display it in their offices. They show all the certificates that they've had. They cannot be happy unless someone calls them doctor this or professor that or engineer this or pastor that. They want to attach a name to themselves so that it will lift up their pride. 
if we persist in pride and will not humble ourselves, the Lord may take it upon himself to humble us and the experience will not be a good one. God may place his finger on the object of our pride and deflate us and bring us low. Sometimes in discussion with people, we may out of pride want to maintain an erroneous view. In such cases, we are to humble ourselves and admit that we were wrong. Let us not feel proud to be corrected even by people who we consider to be inferior in position and knowledge than ourselves or people younger than us. At times, we make it difficult for people who want to help us by letting our pride get in the way of the correction that they want to give us. Proverbs 29 verse 1 says, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Nebuchadnezzar's neck was, was well nigh broken because he would not listen to correction. Do not see yourself as better than others in anything. Do not take glory and praise for things which you achieve, even in your heart. For getting married, don't take glory or feel better than others. For having children, for your wealth, for your beauty, for your knowledge, for your skills. Do not inside your heart, in the mind, take pride. Some people might say, oh, it's by God's grace. But in their heart, they don't feel it's by God's grace. They think that it is their hands and their skill and their power that has given them what they had. Pride shows itself in the disrespectful way we speak of those who we consider inferior to us and the derogatory manner in which we treat others. Treating people with contempt because of something you have that they don't have is pride. If we continue like this, the Lord will take it upon himself to humble us and the experience will be ugly. We must learn to humble ourselves. Reading from This Day with God, page 209, paragraph 3, we are told, It would be the greatest folly in the world for any of us to take any of the credit to ourselves for any success we may have. The more humbly we walk with God, the more will he manifest himself to help us. The Lord never designed to send out his servants to do a work for him with all the opposition of Satan and evil angels against them unless he gives them divine help. The reason that we do not have greater success in the work is because we depend on our own efforts rather than upon the help God will give us. It is our privilege to feel our weakness, our unworthiness and then claim the help that God has provided for us. We can take the word in our distress and while we feel the burden of souls upon us and say, Hear Lord, thou hast promised and I believe thy word. Going on to paragraph 5 it says, while every one of God's workmen should cultivate his powers to the best of his ability, yet he should not trust in these powers. Make of yourselves everything that it is possible for you to make and then trust the rest with God. End of quote. So what is the underlying principle of pride? It is attribution of praise or glory or taking credit for our own successes. That is what the pride is. Nebuchadnezzar said, is this not Babylon which I have built? He was taking credit. Imagine that God heard him make that statement and God is hearing us make the statement, is this not my son that I trained? Is this not my daughter that I trained? I made them what they are. I made my husband what he is. And those men who say, oh, without my wife, I will not be where I am. They made me what I am. Now, I'm not taking away from people that which they actually did. It is true, a statement of fact that Nebuchadnezzar was the one who built Babylon. That is a statement of fact. But the question is how 
that is the problem in the mind how do you think you achieve what you achieved yes i am the one who did this yes you are the one who helped me it is a fact and you did it of your own choice and i also of my own choice help people to do things and achieve things but the question is the how how did i achieve it it is by god's grace do you really feel so or do you just say it with your lips you must feel and understand truly deep down in your heart that it is by god's grace nebuchadnezzar said yes this is babylon which i have built but he was supposed to understand it is not by my power that i built it i did build it yes but if not that god was with me i would not have been able to do what i did he is the one that opened the way he is the one that made the people to not revolt against me he is the one that even brought about the materials he is the one that gave me the victory when i went to fight those battles and i conquered those nations it is not by my strength i did build it but god was with me all the while this is what it means to give glory to god and not take credit for the success that we have but if we choose to take credit in our hearts while in our mouths we are saying no it's by god's grace but deep down in our minds we are feeling this by my strength the lord may take it upon himself to humble us reading from christian service page 246 paragraph 6 it says all heaven is interested in this work that god's messengers are carrying forward in the world in the name of jesus christ of nazareth this is a great work brethren and sisters and we should humble ourselves daily before god and not feel that our wisdom is perfect we should take hold of the work with earnestness we should not pray for god to humble us for when god takes hold of us he will humble us in a way that we would not enjoy but we must day by day humble ourselves under the mighty hand of god we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling while it is god who works in us to will and to do of his own good pleasure we are to cooperate with him while he works through us end of quote so what are we taught here don't pray for god to humble you humble yourself what does that mean acknowledge the hand of god in your achievements and your successes and do not feel by any means that it is because of your power and also in acknowledging that remember that whatever makes you higher than others, whatever puts you in a better position, whether through your wealth or position or your beauty or your attractions or other possessions that you have, do not take credit for it. Say and believe and understand that it is only by God's grace that you have what you have. The Lord is merciful and will go to great lengths to save those whom He loves. His ways, His ways may at times seem extreme, but He does it in love. What he passed Nebuchadnezzar through was done in love because he wanted him to be in his kingdom. And Nebuchadnezzar, to all intents and purposes and as far as we can see, lived in harmony with the will of God and will be in his kingdom. Though the process was a painful one for Nebuchadnezzar, his own words testify that when we cannot save ourselves, it is better that God in his mercy saves us through whatever means he chooses. Nebuchadnezzar said in Daniel 4 verse 37, Now, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. Oh, I wish I could impress your heart so deeply with this thought. Are you walking in pride because of something that you think you have achieved or something that you have? Is that what gives you the bounce in your step because of your positions? Oh my! Humble yourself 
God is able to abase you, especially spiritual pride, because you have this so-called holiness and you think, I have not done this before, I have never eaten this before, I have never done that before, especially when it comes to sexual sin. Oh, I've kept myself pure. Yes, you may have. But do you understand that you shouldn't take credit for it? Do you understand that it is not by your power? When you look down at others who have fallen into sin, and you are feeling like, oh, this person did this, and you want to talk, and you feel like you can just enter into anybody's matter and discuss in such a way that you do not understand and feel superior to them. You are proud. You are proud. So calm down. Humble yourself. If God takes you through an experience, you will understand that you are no different. Sometimes God allows us to fall into sin so that we can be humbled, so that we can realize that we are not to raise ourselves up against others who may have been involved in sin. So that when we fall in sin, we will ourselves realize and say, Oh, I'm no better than my brethren. We are all the same. If you continue to raise yourself in pride, the Lord may allow you to fall into a scandalous, terrible sin. And when you fall, you will humble yourself and stop looking at yourself as better than others. But see that whatever you have, it was given to you of God. While it is true that you made your choice, whatever choice you made, it is God who gave you the ability. Therefore, take no credit to yourself for your spiritual attainments and achievements. Take no credit to yourself for your intellectual achievements and your skill. Take no credit whatsoever to yourself, but acknowledge that it is the God of heaven who has given it to you. Daniel was able to do that. He acknowledged that it is God who kept him in good health and it is God who gave him the interpretation of the dream and even the dream. We too are to do the same thing. Have you been a long time without illness? Stop looking at others who are falling sick and trying to suggest one thing or the other that you think they are doing that is causing them to fall sick. It is true that when people don't follow the laws of health, they get sick. But don't say what you don't know. Imagine, oh, is it not because this one is committing adultery? Is it not because this one is involved in this or that? When you don't even know it and thinking it is because I have stayed away from all these things, that's why I am in good health. Yes, it may be true. But if you keep feeling proud about it, the Lord may lay you low. The Lord may also humble you that you may understand that you are to see yourself as no better than others. May the Lord impress these things in our hearts. I don't know how else to say it. I wish I had better words to explain this thing, both for myself and for you who are listening. But may the Lord help us that we may have that transformation of character. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for this lesson that you have brought to our notice today. I pray, Lord, please forgive us for our pride. Forgive us for taking credit for the things we achieved while leaving you out of the picture. I pray, Lord, that you help us not to go through this kind of experience, but to humble ourselves by breaking off our sins, by listening and admitting our wrong. Help us, Lord, not to repeat the same mistake that Nebuchadnezzar did because his pride was shown in sin. And us too, we are proud when we continue in our sins. Help us, Lord, to take away our transgressions, to stop our iniquities, and help us also to stop feeling better than others for the lack of one, one, one iniquity or the other. Help us in this matter, Lord, that we may all have this grace of the Holy Spirit called meekness and humility. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself.
So.、Oh.